I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBSI Views podcast. The UK's Electronic Trade Documents Act 2023, which recently came into law, is about to kick off a new era of digital trade around the world. It's the biggest change in business you won't probably have heard of. What does it all mean? I spoke to Dominic Broom, SVP, Working Capital Technology of Arkit Trade Secure. But first, do you want to access the multi-billion dollar fintech opportunity in the Middle East or India? If the answer is yes, then join the Cedar IBSI Fintech Lab and fast track your journey of market expansion with us. As a Fintech Lab member, you will have access to skilled mentors and have the opportunity to learn, network and collaborate with like-minded individuals, building your knowledge base, skills and connections. Visit www.cedaribsifintechlab.com. Now, back to Dominic Broom of Arkit Trade Secure, who tells us why this new UK law is going to change the world. The UK, as a trading nation for, for hundreds of years, was instrumental in establishing many of the rules and practices that underpin global trade. And English law still forms the basis for a vast majority of trade contracts around the world. So that actually makes this piece of legislation, as you've referred to, the Electronic Trade Documents Act 2023, which came into effect on the 20th of uh, September, um, a seminally important bit of legislation. And uh, its, its relevance is profound for companies here in the UK, uh, where I'm sitting today, uh, but also internationally, because what it does is pretty uh, transformational, yet at the same time, very straightforward. It allows for certain documents that are commonly used in global trade to be legally recognized in digital form as the same way as their paper-based counterparts have done for hundreds of years. And legally, that's a pretty small change in essence, but actually it's it's uh, it's very big in practice because what the law does, and it's a beautiful bit of, of, of very concise legislation running only to uh, a small number of clauses, it addresses the issues of possession and transfer of tokenized or intangible assets uh, or documents. And it's applicable to uh, an array of documents that are commonly used in the field of global trade uh, such as bills of lading, promissory notes, and bills uh, of exchange. And through that dematerialization, it's going to uh, enable a much more digital process flows to take place between trading counterparties. And the important thing to note is that similar legislation is being enacted across other G7, G20 nations, all taking its root from an excellent bit of work led by the UN Law Commission a few years ago, who drafted the model law for electronic transferable records. And Singapore was a pioneer. They enacted enabling legislation of a similar kind to the ETDA in 2021. And we're expecting legislation to come into force in France uh, by year end, uh, Germany uh, early next year, uh, and so on. You know, why has no one heard of it? Because, you know, frankly, the, the legislation in itself, it's a pretty dry topic. But what it is now doing is providing a framework for the digitization of trade that has been a, a you know a target uh, an area of focus for businesses 
both in, in um, you know, trading businesses, for, for banks as lenders for at least a couple of decades. It provides a statutory based framework for those digital documents to be transferred. And that's highly important. Taking it from the UK, okay, we, we have a situation where these documents are now accepted in digital form in the UK, but you actually need them to be accepted by your counterparty elsewhere in the world. Otherwise, the system's not going to work. You say that is in the process of happening. Well, that sort of takes, I, I think, a sort of a, a couple, at least a couple of different aspects. Yes, indeed. Ultimately, you know, when the G20 nations, who you know account for eighty percent of global trade, have enacted innate similar legislation, then you will have broadly identical, slightly nuanced for different legal codes, of course, recognition of these digital instruments around the world. However, as I was saying earlier, a lot of trade is already undertaken under English law, even if the counterparties involved in those transactions haven't got a domicile in the UK. So it's the the legal recognition under English law that is actually quite transformational because it is used as the law of reference for certainly in excess of 50 to 60% of global trade contracts. So Technically, as of the 20th of September, you could have a you know, an Austrian counterparty uh, trading with a um, Thai counterparty. And if they're doing so under English law, then the law will recognize these digital instruments. We need to be driving towards greater awareness to adopting these instruments. Well, what are the benefits and how do you persuade that corporate treasurer to say, yes, I'm going to do it this way, I'm going to do it digitally? Firstly, uh, let's look at the benefits. Currently, uh, the vast majority of supply chains globally are are financed from what I would call the weakest link in the chain upwards. And generally speaking, (laughs) that's a, a small business who kicks off the production of, you know, let's call it a widget. Uh, and that, you know, forms, uh, you know, the starting point of sometimes quite an extended supply chain. Now, as soon as that smallish specialized supplier ships the goods, they want to be paid. But the challenge is today, they're unlikely to get paid until that widget has been put into, you know, a, a larger um, manufactured item and so on down the chain to create the goods that are sold uh, for commercial value at the end of the process. And what that often means is businesses waiting either a long time to get paid or if they're looking to get finance to bridge that working capital cycle, then they're challenged to do so because they don't tend to be, as I said, the strongest credits in the chain. Added into which over the last decade or so, not only the perceived credit risks of such businesses, but the KYC and compliance costs that banks and lenders have to uh, incur in order to lend to businesses and to bring on businesses as their clients. You know, that has meant that you know, an increasing number of businesses, regrettably, have been sort of effectively disenfranchised to a degree from the global financing system and are unable to get appropriate lines of credit in place because they're just as viewed as too small. So what they often need to rely on those sorts of businesses, local uh, and sometimes uh, fairly expensive factoring solutions. Now, they're good solutions in of themselves, but that expense often is then cascaded or frequently is then cascaded up through the supply chain because inevitably 
that widget manufacturer has to account for its cost of finance. They build that into the cost of their goods and so on and so forth up the supply chain. If you use digital instruments such as bills of exchange or promissory notes, and take the example of the lead manufacturer issuing a promissory note to pay their subcontractor or subsupplier at a 60 days uh, hence uh, you know point in that that transaction cycle that supplier in turn can issue a similar commitment to pay to its supplier and so on down the, the the chain enabling and bringing about what i would call a deep tier financing model that is based on the strongest credit in the chain now you will rightly ask me why isn't this happening today because up until the change in the law this sort of process was reliant on an exchange of physical documents uh, you know, very tried and tested documents dating back to the 1882 Bills of Exchange Act, you know, from a legal perspective and, and even before. But it's that physical transfer of documents and the administrative uh, and other costs that, that, that come with it that have made those sorts of solutions less attractive than they might otherwise be. If you digitize them, you're creating a much more secure as well as efficient process and a much more immediate process because you're not waiting for a cascade of paper documents across the supply chain that could take, you know, at least days, sometimes weeks, and actually effectively sort of limit the attractiveness of a financing period that, you know, rarely extends beyond you know, 90 or 120 days. Uh, and you're creating a much more immediate availability of cash across that supply chain. Well, I'm going to throw three words at you. Um, one of them you've already just used, and the three words are secure, cheaper, safer. This and is there you have the essence of you know some of the core benefits of a digitized process. You know, global trade has, has developed and evolved very satisfactorily over uh, 150 years or more, but it's been you know, hitherto paper-based. And people have come to place great reliance and take comfort from an exchange of paper documents. But the reality is that paper documents, although we mentally uh, assume that they're are, are secure and safe, are certainly not. They are, unfortunately, in, in certain instances, and there have been some well-publicized instances of late, they're prone to duplication, misuse, uh, alteration, you know, general sort of fraudulent activity, that is much, much harder to do with a digital document that is secured by an encryption key with the record of that instrument lodged on a digital ledger. Aspects of data management that, as I said, is, is just not uh, possible to create uh, with a, um, a paper-based instrument. Added into which, as I was saying, the time for exchange of, uh, of those instruments, the administrative cost of managing those instruments, and you know, by last but by no means least, the inherent in environmental cost of uh, it's estimated that uh, over sixty billion bits of paper are used on an annual basis in order to facilitate you know, the passage of, of global trade as we know it. Taking that digitally through progressive steps is going to eliminate you know that enormous wastage uh, and in environmental impact, as well as bringing both enhanced security, enhanced efficiency of process and time cost to these supply chains. Well, let me come back to my confused corporate treasurer for a moment, just to round this up. How do you persuade him? How do you persuade me to get on board the digital process? How do I do that? How do I go about that? 
that has to be you know more than just speaking around efficiency you, you you've got to look at it and, and data security all those are, are key and important elements as well so from my perspective to for a solution a, a novel uh, solutions like this to to succeed they have to bring value to all parties and be seen to bring value to all parties and simultaneously be non-disruptive to the underlying business of activities of the participants who are, are going to involve. So you, you speak of the corporate treasurer, let's say a buying company, you know, he's correspondingly going to have a counterpart at his supplier and both of those parties, as well as the financial institution, if we're talking about trade finance uh, instruments such as bills of exchange and promissory notes, all parties are going to have to see benefit from adopting both from a process flow management perspective. So, you know, we've made that easy with the sort of solutions that, that, that we're bringing to market that Arcit Trade Secure in enabling businesses to share data. For us, it's all about the data rather than the document, either through a CSV file upload or to an integration, a data integration through APIs between our technology and their corporate ERP system, an SAP or Oracle or, or similar. For the financial institutions, they need to be able to engage again through either direct API integration with their back office systems, uh, which using modern techniques is relatively straightforward to do. Or for those not uh, able to do that, you know, we have a, a portal, an easy to navigate portal through which institutions can look and, you know, address these assets and determine whether they want to, to finance them, managing a process flow that is almost identical uh, to the paper ones that they manage today, but obviously with the, you know, the much enhanced benefits that we've discussed uh, around bringing that digitally. But the real icing on the cake is the flexibility uh, these, these sorts of instruments bring to a corporate uh, treasurer. What it enables them to do at key points in their working capital cycles is determine on their own account uh, and from their own perspective how they want to finance those supply chains. Do they want to make early payments to suppliers using external liquidity that they have been able to obtain through issuance of one of these instruments, a promissory note or a bill of exchange uh, that gets discounted and financed uh, by an, a third-party financial institution. And being able to choose you know, the timing and the frequency through which such solutions and instruments are used is one of the very novel characteristics of what we're bringing to market and what we're terming supply chain finance 2.0. Hitherto, with much more siloed uh, opportunities for external finance available. That kind of flexibility has been beyond the reach of uh, corporate treasurers, and we think uh, this is going to be the transformational point. Dominic Broom, SVP Working Capital Technology at Arkit Trade Secure.